Demand factors count and ignoring them will preclude growth. Following Parliament's Standing Committee on Finance's near rejection of the supplementary budget, Finance Minister Tito Mboweni wrote an oped extolling structural reforms as a cure for a moribund economy. His argument centered on three intermeshed but analytically distinct issues. He reasoned that, with the current high debt levels, SA cannot spend its way to growth as fiscal multipliers are low and that potential growth has been slowing from 4%, 2009, to 1%, 2019. He went on to ascribe the above negative outcomes to structural constraints, and unsustainably high government spending that led to high debt, which constrains growth. Structural reforms and fiscal consolidation, Mowayani warned, are the best way to achieve growth. Disquietingly, economists have squabbled over the sizes of multipliers, a matter difficult to settle due to modeling differences, but have not faulted Mowayani's core reasoning. However, not only is Mowayani and the Treasury's reasoning deeply erroneous, it is frozen in a corrupted conceptual structure that has successfully undermined economic enfranchisement of the majority. It also undermines growth, debt sustainability, employment creation and structural transformation. It is the source of the mess SA sits in. Here is how their structural reforms faux pas is constructed. SA's declining potential output growth is ascribed to falling total factor productivity, TFP. Potential output is the maximum level of output that can be achieved without triggering inflationary pressure and TFP, the major constituent component of potential growth, is the efficiency with which factor inputs, factors of production, are utilized. To raise potential growth, what the Treasury and the Reserve Bank aim to achieve, declining productivity must be arrested then raised. They see potential output, a critical construct in the design and management of macroeconomic policies, as determined exclusively by supply forces, factor inputs and productivity, therefore, only supply measures, structural reforms, must be employed to raise potential growth. According to their logic, demand or demand factors, no matter how strong, can only cause temporary deviations in potential output, so there is no need to use demand interventions. This seemingly well-laid-out mainstream argument is fatally flawed and lacks empirical confirmation. As high merchants of myths, deaf and blind to macroeconomic science, Mowayani and his ilk, whose ideological default mental setting is on structural reforms, deliberately ignore empirical evidence that unambiguously implicates the effects of demand and demand factors not just on production, but potential growth and productivity. That financial crises are associated with large and persistent declines in economic output, investment and productivity seems, shockingly, unknown to the Treasury and Reserve Bank. In other words, the 2007-2008 crisis, the many bouts of fiscal consolidations, have a negative impact on output and cause hysteresis. Their hysteretic effects are the proximate cause of SA's current poor growth. Hysteresis, a natural science-derived term, denotes the notion that short-run shocks, demand recessions, can alter the economy's trajectory through their persistent or permanent negative effects on potential output, especially if they are not met with an appropriate policy response, as was the case for SA in 2007-2008 and now during COVID-19. Instead of reversing hysteresis through positive demand shocks, the only sure way out, Mowayani shirks this. Indeed, the European Central Bank, ECB, European Commission reports and other empirical studies reveal that the 2007-2008 crisis had large, negative effects on potential output, unemployment and related variables. The Bank for International Settlements, BIS, also empirically found that the crisis had negative impacts on productivity. 
Yet the Treasury and Reserve Bank deliberately disregard all this. Even in normal times, when declining productivity is the accepted candidate for declining potential growth, a host of empirical research converges on the fact that TFP growth is overwhelmingly determined by labor productivity growth, which is determined or influenced by the shortage of aggregate demand and by real wage growth pressures. And according to the International Labor Organization's Global Wage Report 2018-2019, real wage growth for SA was almost stagnant, with a trend pointing to declining real wage growth. On investment, the Reserve Bank's misguided monetary policies have led to disproportionate flows of capital, credit, into the non-tradable-slash-services sector, which generally has lower productivity growth. Instead of correcting this by directing investment into productive sectors, structural reforms designed to increase financialization of the economy are enthusiastically promoted by the Treasury and the bank. Assuming all the empirical evidence fails to dampen their enthusiasm for structural reforms, Intellectual curiosity demands that we examine actual growth versus potential growth. Since 2007-2008, the Treasury and Reserve Bank records show that both actual output and actual growth have been below their potential. This is evidenced by the consistently high underutilization of factor markets. Only demand can suck up underutilized resources. Consequently, SA's urgent task should be about raising actual output and actual growth towards their potential through demand policies, by using the many underutilized resources before rushing to raise potential growth, which is what the very costly structural reforms aim to do. Stats essay research shows that about two-thirds of businesses' primary economic concern is that they cannot sell their products-slash-services due to lack of demand, and therefore cannot employ more people let alone dream about expanding, raising, potential capacity. As these facts demonstrate, SA suffers from structural demand constraints, not supply issues, as Maoni's conceit suggests. On the supply side the structure of the financial sector is the most critical constraint requiring major reforms. Furthermore, as empirical research from the ECB, BIS, Deutsche Bundesbank, and the International Monetary Fund, IMF, categorically shows, demand is the dominant principal component that co-moves almost all real macroeconomic variables and inflation. On the other hand, as per Treasury's own modeling, their Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development and IMF-directed structural reforms scale up economic financialization of SA. Yet it is financialization that accounts for the negative transmission effects of fiscal shocks, below multipliers Moway and he complains about. The multiplier debate isn't about whose modeled sizes are correct. It is about the declining fiscal multiplier puzzle. Since the 1990s multipliers have been lower than in the 1970s and 1960s, with a structural break happening in the mid-1980s. SA's institutional and policy framework lowers the fiscal impact of government spending and increases debt. Here is what macroeconomic science reveals. Unmonetized fiscal policy, SA's, blunts the transmission effects of fiscal shocks, thus lowering the multipliers. SA's deficit financing approach explodes debt, therefore, desecuritization of funding activities is suggested. The Reserve Bank's monetary policy encourages asset accumulation that negatively affects the transmission of fiscal policy. Without a deeper appreciation of the negative effects of the current defunct macroeconomic framework on the economy Mboweni and his supporters will use every myth to grow the economy. In their desperate search to lend credibility to their myths, Mboweni and his market watcher economists cite the highly discredited paper by Reinhardt and Rogoff to show that high debt limits growth. 
Basing the budget or economic arguments on celebrated ideological myths is hardly the best approach to salvaging lost credibility, let alone growing a battered economy. With such unimpeachable evidence about how to revive a moribund economy, the notion that structural reforms can reverse our macroeconomic challenges can best be described as a scam. As Nobel economist Paul Krugman pointedly put it, structural reform is the last refuge of scoundrels. Nkosi is executive director of First Source Money and founding executive board member of London-based Monetary Reform International.